Hi there, you're listening to Rune Landers. I'm Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master. Now before we begin, a bit of a content warning. Rune Landers contains adult content, about as much as your average late evening premium cable series. Now this is things like rough language and frank descriptions of terrifying situations and adult topics such as sex work and drug use. We don't beat these topics over the head, and they're not in every episode, but they do exist as part of the setting, so we don't shy away from them when they come up either. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing isn't your cup of tea, this probably isn't the podcast for you. Now, if, however, it is your sort of thing, well, (laughs) buckle up, my friend, and dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled to the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, runatics, and let's roll. Hi there. Whether it's welcome aboard or welcome back, welcome to episode zero of season two of Runelanders Rapscallion. I'm Matt Adam, your host, friendly neighborhood dungeon master. Now, in this episode, we're gonna recap what happened last season and look forward to what's coming ahead. That means if you've been listening for a while, well, we may catch you up on things you've missed, and if you're just joining us, there's never been a better time. So without further ado, here's that recap. Along the sloping shores of its eponymous Firth, ancient Bailey Mina rises. A majestic city of towers and waterfalls, it is the capital city of the island province of Scotia. Confined as it is by its geography, the city is built upwards as it's grown. This tradition of building the new atop the old gives the city a depth of civic infrastructure as impressive as its bristling skyline. It's here in the Byzantine warrens of its cobblestone streets that we meet Nari Hulu, barrister, solicitor, and warlock newly promoted to a post within the Extra-Legal Affairs Department at the venerable old firm of Stark Weather and Fair, his first task is to assemble a staff and begin growing his practice within the firm. With no small measure of luck, Nari arranges to meet with the criminal polymath for hire known as Arabet, and with his partner, the expatriate tabaxi medico known as Mr. Stitch. When Arabet suggests they hire some muscle... The firm travels to the squalor and dangerous conditions of the Scotian iron mines, where we meet the next member to join this freshly forming fellowship, the fiery fallen Jedi fighter once famous as the gladiatrix called Magma, who's glad indeed for a chance to escape the indenture of the iron mine. Next, we meet Nari's sister, Zivahulu. Having spent years abroad educating herself, Ziva returns to Bailey Mina with the aim of establishing herself as a post-mortalist. 
When she arrives at her apartment, she finds Magma living there, evidently with Nari's permission. Having none of this, Ziva marches directly over to Nari's with Magma in tow. With his characteristic knack for negotiation, Nari surrenders his apartment and manages, in one fell stroke, to completely satisfy the needs of two women at once. Next, we join Arabet at the docks, where his reconnaissance is interrupted by a need to liberate his apprentice from custody. After a tongue lashing from the proconsul of Bailey Mina himself, Arabet secures Timothy's freedom and gives him the thrashing he's earned. This leads Arabet and Mr. Stitch to decide that they will need more help. For a project such as this, they'll need a backer. For that, they approach Master Locke Calder, a well-known dealer in magical curiosities who caters to a select clientele as a high-end fence. Although he initially finds their proposal boring, there is something in the details of their paperwork which changes Calder's mind. If, as the Cohen goes, a journey of 10,000 miles begins with a single step, with this, all of our rapscallions are on their way. Next up, we got a better look at our fiery Jedi fighter, Magma, as she trained for and then returned to the ring in a one-sided boat against an ogre who never saw her coming. Shortly thereafter, our felonious fellowship is summoned into the presence of the local crime boss, the sinister and vicious hobgoblin known as Thrasher. He and Arabit have some history, it seems. And although Thrasher is quite impressed with Magma's performance, indeed offering her hospitality, is much less than impressed with Arabet and at not being given notice of the startup of this new venture. You see, Thrasher is a goblin who likes to look after his business. While this is undoubtedly troubling in that context, one cannot help but notice that it smacks of a personal affront as well. By way of reparation, our rapscallions are tasked to rid the city of a growing rat problem. So begins the rat job. The first clue that this might not be merely a simple mundane job of rat catching comes in the form of a goblin dock worker, badly beaten under her death, who nonetheless persists, although her wounds should be fatal. Yet, in the very hour that our rapscallions visit her, she is blessed with a silver chain and expires shortly thereafter. The trail seems to go cold until our company comes across a quartet of near-do-wells, pushing their way around the dockside, up and down the quays, into some of the rougher establishments in the worst neighborhoods in Bailey Mina, fearless though they be halflings, much smaller than everyone else. While this is unusual, there is strength in numbers. However, how much strength could there be in four halflings? Still, they stick out enough that they catch attention. And so, our fiends follow them across the keys to where they lose them next to a storm drain too small for even a halfling to crawl through. A quick survey of the local sewers reveals that these halflings are not merely halflings, but instead were-rats capable of transforming their form, which explains their easy access to everywhere that they've been. Going back to Thrasher with this 
information, our freshman fellowship procures themselves a building to use as a rat trap in a fiendishly clever maneuver. Nari sketches out his list of demands in the form of a soul contract, which he hands to Thrasher, who hands it to his people, who return it signed. Happy with his work. Assuming he's stolen the crime boss's soul, Nari leaves with a jaunty jig in his step, while... Arabet is meant to stay behind. It is here that we find that Arabet, well, he's kind of a big deal around here. Thrasher is a very big deal around here. They pause, they stop for a moment while Thrasher asks his protege if he's aware of what he's getting into. Arabet makes his answer and they part their ways for now. As Magma and Calder seek to find the ne'er-do-well were-rats in their local haunts, the rest of the rapscallions make the rat trap ready. Eventually, the, the rats are tracked to a local brewery owned by a prominent halfling family by the name of Burley and Took. As Ziva and Nari keep the front of house busy, Arabet and Stitch sneak below and abscond with one of the workers, hoping to get some answers. In a darkly comic scene, they bear him across town and back to the rat trap, where hours later, they are joined by one of the suspected miscreants himself, Mr. Michael Burley Jr. The trap is sprung, and the one of the were-rats is well and truly trapped. Arab scallions had not counted on the way that rats stick together, however, as Burley didn't show up alone, and not even that contingent was left unfollowed. As Burley's workmen ran off to get help, Burley's comrades, if you can call them that, begin to effect a rescue. In the basement, Calder leans on Mickey, exerting the considerable force of his personality. Mickey breaks quickly and agrees to hand over his confederate, Willem Malone, who, he says, is responsible for the death of the goblin dock worker, which caused this whole problem in the first place. Unfortunately, this is also as his fellows, Ben and Despero, are coming to save him. The rescue quickly goes from a rescue to an all-out assassination attempt. Thanks to Magma's quick reflexes and expert training, this is easily foiled and our rapscallions are victorious in the end. Soon, once the bodies are returned and the agreements are drawn up, the rapscallions find themselves both in Thrasher's good graces and the landlords of a tract they call Lost Acre. And so ends the rat job, but all is not calm in Bailey Mina. If Arabet is to hold territory within the city, he must do it according to the guild standards. And that means guild membership, guild examinations, a strong guild-run organization 
and all kinds of paperwork exactly why he'd avoided guild membership all these years. But things are as they are, even in Bailey Mina. And so begins the guild job. Now, perspicacious sort that you are, gentle listener, I know you haven't forgotten that Nari's original purpose was to found himself a felonious fellowship. Having accomplished that, well, all good work is rewarded, right? He is called in front of the senior partners at Stark Weather and Fair in a meeting which can only be described as a tunnel. Next, Arabet undertakes his examination to become a journeyman in the guild. It is a trial fraught with peril, dangers of all kinds, but it is a task which Arabet accomplishes with his characteristic aplomb, which, of course, I mean to say he does by cheating. Nonetheless, a win is a win, however you make it, especially in the guild. The papers are signed. The accolades are granted. Alone of the three who started, Arabet passes to become a journeyman within the guild. And as all breathe a sigh of relief, Timothée, his apprentice watching in the next room, is stabbed by an unknown assailant who vanishes off camera, seen only from a high oblique angle, heavily cloaked. And as the credits roll on season one, Mr. Stitch saunters his way across Bailey Mina to visit Mr. Calder for a quick spot of breakfast wine and a rather pointed discussion. Once his point is made, Stitch leaves. And the Rapscallions begin to find a new kind of equilibrium. There are all kinds of good interstitial stories, which you can hear in the meanwhiles. Listen to those in whatever order you want. They're all good. All right, so that's what happened in season one. Now, before we get on with season two, here's a little bit of uh, something for you. First off, hi, I'm Matt Adam, the host and dungeon master around here. Uh, I'm the guy who came up with the ruined lands originally and uh with me tonight is well my partner sean and uh our friend and player of ziva miss shireen the mad fishmonger say hi folks introduce yourselves hey there i'm sean uh i'm so excited to be here season one was such a blast uh we got to learn so much about uh our characters about bailey mina uh about coming together as a team uh, we, we also got to learn a lot about podcasting, which was uh, pretty great. Uh, you know, well, Adam and I have been at this uh, for a long time, both in terms of gaming, but also working on this particular world. Uh, maybe not this particular story. We've told a lot of stories uh, here in the Runelands, but uh, so excited to be here. And uh, it's been great to meet some new people, uh, play with some some people I've, I've played with a lot in the past and, and do it all uh, for uh, for an actual play podcast. Absolutely. One of my favorite things about this is uh, the way that I've managed to keep, well, found and keep friendships with this. Um, all of the people who currently play this game, I met gaming at one point or another in my life. It's just been like social glue, that sort of thing. Um, now, before I go stepping on everybody, uh, Shireen, say hi. Tell us who you talk about yourself. <laughs> Hello, uh, I'm Shreen. I uh, also go by Mad Fishmonger online. Uh, I ha have been really been enjoying uh, playing in this um, 
for a lot of reasons. Uh, I was really excited to get to uh, play with Adam again. Um, I was really excited to get to meet all of these other players, too. Uh, a couple of them I was already familiar with, but most of them I was not. Um, and I think, you know, uh, I had a lot of... The first thing I said when Adam asked me if I wanted to play was, can I play a necromancer? <laughs> So I mean, yeah, that was like, um, that was the second thing you said. The first oh, thing right, you pitched, right. the first thing you pitched was a, a toy barbarian, a toy Godzilla oh, right, barbarian, right. yeah, which I really yeah, loved yeah. the idea of and would have fit. It just didn't anything, work, but not in this story, right? Yeah, no, no, you were totally right. He wouldn't have worked uh, in this in this story, but uh, you know, I'm I've totally completely fallen in love with with Ziva. I think about her so much, and uh, it's great. And, and you know, I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know everybody and and playing. And um, I haven't done. I have been doing a lot of streaming uh, of games, but podcasting has been a bit new to me as well. So this has been a fun, fun learning adventure. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really great. Uh, you know, both uh, getting together with new players, but learning how to do this uh, on a podcast has been just, uh, well, it, sometimes it's been really hard, uh, but uh, it's been so much fun and so rewarding, especially um, we we do this as, because, uh, you know, some of our players are in Southern Ontario, some are out West in Winnipeg, uh, some are in, uh, well, far well, North. Missouri this season, we've got people Missouri from Missouri this season. So, you know, we're, we're using, we're using uh, voice chat uh, discord server uh, to, to record these uh, sessions. And uh, that, that, that brings a whole new kind of uh, of play style. Uh, particularly, not being able to see each other has been uh, a really interesting uh, um, challenge to to uh, learn how to play with. But uh, other great things, uh, being able to text chat each other uh, during during uh, the game has been really fantastic. Uh, and uh, just the the whole experience of uh, of learning how to put together a game uh, as uh, as a podcast. Uh, has been uh, really hard work, uh, and we've made some really great progress, and uh, we're really excited uh, to keep uh, keep growing that, uh, keep growing our, our knowledge and our expertise, and hopefully continuing to improve our product uh, and uh, keep hearing great things from you guys. and uh, And uh, if uh, if there's anything uh, we can ever do to improve that, we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you about that too. Yeah, no, I, you're right there about the not being able to see each other. The uh, the advantage of this, I find, not being able, not sitting at a table with everybody, is that as a storyteller, I can close my eyes to see what I'm imagining better, and it's not as awkward as if everybody was sitting at the table. Seems a little rude. On the other hand, I also miss a lot of things that go by on the screen because I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, describing things. <laughs> It is it is hard because like I you know you you want to make sure that um you're paying it you know that you're on top of things but then you also don't want to get distracted. So right believe me my friends when I say that the out of character chat is uh quite distracting enough by itself as it already is. Thanks a lot, Shireen. That's Shireen the Madfishmonger and Sean Yo, players of Ziva and Calder, respectively. Now, since it's the holidays around these parts while we're recording this and releasing them, a bit of a treat for you. Up next is a bit of a peek under the hood at how we do it. And 
Well, a little bit of a holiday surprise for you. Now, gentle listener, you might have noticed we don't sound much like any other actual play podcast out there, and in that we don't have a lot of rolling. Now, this isn't to say there isn't a lot of rolling done, just that a lot of times I get it done before we start the scene. That way the players know what kind of roles they're dealing with, and we can build a scene that has a good story but still follows the rules. Most of the time, all of the mathing and rolling of dice and bantering and silly jokes that accompany that sort of thing are cut out beforehand. Now, to give you an example of this, here's a new scene with Arabet and Timotei. Now, just a little bit of retcon. Timotei's been aged up. He'd been portrayed as being anywhere from 8 to 11 in the past. Now he is firmly 18 or 19. He's not sure which. Anyway, here's the scene. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Tim. Hi. You better know how to swim and get picking some locks. I want you to roll sleight of hand with your thieves' tools. And uh, I want you to roll three times and let me know what you get. All right. Um, first one, I have 25. 25, noted. Second one is 11. 11, noted. And then the last one is 21. Arabet, same thing. 26. 34. 33. Okay, so, Arabet. Part of Timothy's education, as any sort of boatsman knows, is knowing how to swim. Now, you know he knows how to swim. But does he really, really know how to swim, like a proper boatsman might have to? If, say, he were chained to a weight and thrown overboard. And so, as he finishes enclosing the locks on the chains, which have bound you up, in his very best style, like he's spent some time on this, right? He's locked you up, and uh, good and tight. And you're both standing there in the steelwork of one of the buster trellises that crosses the Firth. And beneath you, there's that nice, deep, dark, cold part of the Firth. It's about 100 feet down. Now, you're both wearing about 20 pounds of chain, and uh, Timothy just just finished chaining you up, Arabet. You've got him in some very, very basic things, like uh, handcuffs, manacles on the ankles, and, uh, you know, a pair of, like, you know, prison ball and chain balls. One on either ankle. It really, junior, junior stuff. He should have it off, no problem. The thing is, can he have it off before he gets too deep? Right? And here the Firth is about 
six to eight hundred feet. Now, you haven't told him this, but you guys should probably still be both be able to breathe water for about the next three or four hours because you doctored the coffee this morning. So he finishes clicking you in, you've got him like, and he's got you all bound up in chains and like, like from your ankles to your knees. And like, it's ridiculous. There is too much here. Like it's so much. It's actually kind of made it easier. Rookie mistake, but you'll see. So, um, you're both standing there on the, on the steelwork. Now, Tim, you have finished putting this lock on, and this is by far one of the weirdest places Arabet has ever taken you to pick locks, right? Especially if you're wearing them. What is this? A test of your balance? Like, you could fall into the water from here. That's a long way down, man. So, uh, what are we doing here? Well, Timothy, you'll never, never be a boatsman until you're able to get off the boat. Why am I a boatsman again? Because that's where the money is. Lovely. So when you come out and you get caught, as you will inevitably at some point get caught, sailors are afraid of water. So they think you're afraid of water. So the trick is not to be afraid of. Water? That's right. And with that, the world goes sideways and the Firth comes rushing up to meet you, Timothy. Oh, God. Now, the camera switches back up to Arabet, who looks over, judges his, judges his trajectory for a second, and then tips back off the steel himself. Yes, hello. Are you hungry? Well, holy smoke. Come to Jerry's Bronze Tusk. Number one borscht, number one fish salad, number one beer, all of Bailamina. Why not come tonight? Bronze Tusk's Rusty Axe, 13 Fish Street, in the heart of the Copper Penny Road Entertainment District of Bailamina. This week featuring two for one fish salad and Took's Blogger, the best beer in Bailamina. That's Bronze Tusk's Rusty Axe, Copper Penny Road, Bailamina. Yeah! splash. Arabet hits the water feet first and raises a giant splash. Timothy, of course, is in a fraction of a section faster, and the camera now switches to the beneath the surface, where it follows Timothy as he's dragged off deeper and deeper, and you can see like his handcuffs kind of float because he's sinking faster with all the weight um and then the manacles go trailing off and then the water gets deep and dark and we lose sight of him 
and there's some silvery bubbles that come out. Meanwhile, Arabet goes sinking down, and then there's like this burst of chains, and now he's dealing with his handcuffs and the big weighted belt that Timothée has strapped on him like a climbing harness. Um, the problem is that his hands are handcuffed, one in front of him and one behind. So it's making it a little trickier. Arabet also descends into the darkness while kicking his feet frantically to keep from sinking. They go down into the deep blue of the water. Ten seconds pass. And then Timothée, clawing his way to the surface, you know, with a look on his face like his head's about to explode, comes clawing up to the top of the water. The camera switches to the surface then as Timothée's face breaks and he draws a great big gasping breath with a huge burst of laughter. Man, that was very close, Timothée. Arabette breaks the surface a second later. What did you notice, Timothée? I I get why they're scared of water. Indeed, but we don't have to be. No, we don't. Not with the unstoppable Timmy. You know what else I noticed, Bet? What, Tim? I was first. Yes, yes, you were. Timothy, go for a swim underneath the water. Uh, again? Again. Just a second, I'll meet you down there. Okay. I dive right in. And under the water, I say to Timothy, breathe. I see it, like, I see him mouthing breathe to me. Um, okay. And it turns out you can breathe just fine. And Arabette comes swimming down towards him. I just, I mean, all I can do is wave. I can't say anything. And I start using hand signals. Down, Timothy. Go down. I go further down. And so you'd swim down through the deep blue water and into the dark water. And then, a little further down than that, probably two, three hundred feet, although the pressure of the water should be crushing you, you find that the breathing is easy, And the pressure has equalized. These potions were expensive and evidently worth every penny you spent on the ingredients. Arabet. I give Timothy the hand signal to head up. But notable at this depth is that now that your eyes have adjusted to the gloom, you can see that there are faint glowing lights from all around the edges of the Firth and a dim glow coming from beneath you. Time to go up, Timothy. Up, 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 up. I'm going up. 
and it's, it's it's a good swim back up now like uh cuz as you're getting up and closer the uh you can feel the effects of the potion wearing off the water starts to feel like liquid in your lungs where before it was as comfortable as as gas as air right um and by the time you break the the surface of the water this time it's uh it, it, it's it's a near thing your last couple of breaths are uh pretty thick yeah it's worse when you come out no really but the lesson here is play fair cheat honestly um how do you figure that just then the 315 ferry across the firth gets to the point where if you don't start swimming now you're gonna miss it Swim, let's go. Okay. So it's a good hard swim, but you manage to drag yourselves up onto the back toe deck of the ferry and be helped along and, you know, like by the concerned citizens who fish you out of the firth, like, you poor man, what happened to you? How did you wind up in there? That's terrible. And you're both like 250 richer by the time you uh, make your way out of the hospital that night, having had three good meals and a good looking after, as well as like a hot bath and several, you know, you know, several well-meaning people paying the whole bill and everything like that. And, you know, you guys make make a decent living off or off this exact sort of thing, you know. Timothy, now that you're a thief like me, if not better, always stack the deck. Stack the deck. Make sure you get the cards you want. Oh, I got you. Cheat. You're going on a boat. Make sure you have a potion in hand to deal with that. Always have the exit plan. The camera fades out. Reopening later that same day with Timothy on the buster. Timothy, this is a date that you went on because your parents insisted. Her name is Charisse, and she's very sweet. She's cute, and your mother would love her. She's exactly the sort of girl your mom thinks you should marry. You were polite about it, but, like, you know, no chemistry, man. We've all been on those, right? Yeah. Bit of a bummer, though, because it seemed like it was a good time. You seemed to be in the, into the same sorts of things, but just, like, no, no sense of adventure. Made that magic, man. So you're ripping home towards old Bailey Mina on the buster. And you're crossing at the very same bridge that Arabet threw you off of earlier that afternoon. And you look out the window and it's full night. All the moons are in the sky. And you look down out towards the sea. And it's one of those rare nights when the Firth is dead flat like a mirror. And as we switch from Timothy's perspective, as he notes this, like the, the camera sees him and like, swoops down from the buster train and along the perfectly flat firth, we can see that along all of these little keys and piers and docks all up and down the long firth of Bailey Mina, there are women, not many, but a few, lighting feathers. 
So uh, that's what we've got for episode zero. Up next, episode one. All that we see or seem. All of our music is licensed through SoCan, and if it's not in the SoCan repertoire, it's in the public domain. Full details can be found at runewise.games. Since it's the holidays, I'm going to date this by wishing you all a very safe and peaceful holidays. And if your holidays ain't so happy, remember that you're not alone. Reach out. Somebody will answer, I promise. This episode featured voice work by Matt Adam, Master Yo, and Shireen the Mad Fishmonger, with appearances by Christopher Stockavaz and introducing James Stockavaz as Timothy. If you liked what you've just heard, we have all kinds of this sort of thing for you coming up this season on Runelanders. So, buckle up, get ready, Renetics, and let's roll. Mm-hmm.